Hello and welcome to Disastrous History. My name is Anthony, and I am the host of this wonderful mess of a show that will attempt to chronicle some of the biggest and most interesting disasters, messes, and all-around screw-ups that have happened throughout the centuries. Welcome back to another episode of Disastrous History. This week, we're going to go way, way, way back in time to about the 1600s to 1500s BCE. We are going to talk about the Minoan Eruption. So before we get too far into the actual eruption story, I want to lay down some volcano background. First, there are five different types of eruptions. The first type is called Hawaiian eruptions. These are named after the Hawaiian volcanoes. Shocking, I know. But they are only found in Hawaii, just named after them. They're generally very chill and are generally the calmest of the eruptions. These don't erupt from a single point at the top, but all along fissures on the side of the volcano often mostly fluid magma emanating from the fissures with very low noxious gas emissions. These are the super pretty volcanic eruptions that look like a giant wall of fire. The ones you see on the news all the time. Oh, this Hawaii volcano in Hawaii erupted. Look how pretty it is. Those are the Hawaiian eruptions. It's pretty self-explanatory. The second type is called the Strombolian eruption. They're named after the Stromboli volcano off the northern coast of Sicily. I do not know if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm very sorry if I'm not. Basically, a Strombolian eruption is when a gas bubble within the magma becomes large enough to rise through the magma and pop in the air when it reaches the top. This launches magma all around and then stops. This can happen literally every few minutes and can last thousands of years. The Stromboli volcano has been erupting since recorded history started, basically. Oh, and that story of the volcano randomly appearing in a Mexican cornfield? That's a Stromboli eruption volcano. Just super quickly. The third type of eruption is a Vulcanian eruption. This one is named after the volcano Vulcano, also located just north of Sicily. Also named after the Roman god of fire, Vulcan, which is where the name volcano comes from, in case you hadn't already put that together. This is your stereotypical explosion. Big boom with a large ash cloud going up in the air and magma flowing down the sides. The fourth type is called Palean. They're named after Mount Pele in Martinique. Finally, not one in Sicily. There are a lot of volcanoes around Sicily. These are when the volcano explodes and then a flow of hot gases and other hot stuff comes flying down the mountain. And I literally mean flying, since they move with speeds ranging from 60 miles per hour to well over 400 miles per hour. The Mount Pele eruption in 1902 was the deadliest eruption in the 20th century, killing at least 29,000 people and will probably be featured in a future episode. Hint, hint, foreshadowing, foreshadowing. The fifth and final type of eruption is a Plinian eruption. These were named after Pliny the Younger, who chronicled the Vesuvius eruption way back in 79 AD. Also, hint, hint, foreshadowing, foreshadowing. Basically, Plinian eruptions are the big bangers. A giant column of ash gets launched way up into the atmosphere, and more or less everything explodes everywhere, and everything is bad. And just because things can always be worse, there is such a thing as ultra-Plinian, which is a Plinian eruption, but, like, way worse. Because apparently we couldn't come up with another name, we just took the worst one and we were like, ah, let's make it ultra. Alright, so those are the types of eruptions, but what about scale? Well, similar to the enhanced Fujita scale, there is a volcanic explosivity index. It's often just shortened to VEI, which is what I will use, because saying explosivity explosivity makes my mouth hurt. So, the scale is from 0 to 8, 
and is basically ranked on a scale of how much material they spew out and how tall their plume heights are. A zero is regarded as less than 10,000 cubic meters of ejected material with a plume height of less than 100 meters. An eight is anything over 1,000 cubic kilometers of ejected material and a plume taller than 30 miles. So an eight is a bad day. You want to be somewhere else. That is a very, very bad day. You Basically, the entire world will experience some kind of effect from an explosion that large. There are some other volcano terms that will come up, and I'll explain as I go, but this is a basic crash course. So this is one of the most important events in the history of humanity, even if we don't really know all that much about it. It's the Minoan eruption on the Greek island of Thera. Technically today, it's known as the Greek island of Santorini, but I like Thera more, and that's what I'm going to end up calling it throughout this entire episode. So if that bothers you, I'm sorry, but I'm going to call it Thera, because I think Thera is a much cooler name than Santorini. Anyway, Thera is an island in the Aegean Sea among the Aegean Archipelago. Super creative with names there. It is a semicircle island with several smaller islands off the coast of the main portion. That semicircle is actually the remains of a massive volcano. A caldera sits in the middle of the string of islands where the volcano once stood. A caldera is basically the crater of a volcano, especially after it collapses and collapses the mouth of the actual volcano. So all of Thera is the volcano. The caldera is the in the middle is the collapsed opening of the volcano that fell under the water. The island at the time of the eruption was home to at least one Minoan settlement known as Akrotiri. We don't actually know what the name of the town was at the time, but it got named Akrotiri after the nearby town that sprang up there, just because calling it the old ruins over there was getting super old and no one knew what you were talking about, because the Greek islands are full of super old ruins constantly, so they really had to give it a name, and they just named it after the closest thing that would give them an idea of where they were. So, Akrotiri appears to have been a moderately wealthy town on the island. Starting out as a small fishing and farming village, the excellent location of the island, situated between Egypt and mainland Greece with Crete nearby, allowed for it to become a major trade hub, and the town began to flourish. Many of the buildings uncovered by archaeologists are pushing three stories tall, and a lot are full of extremely detailed and intricate frescoes painted on the walls. There is also some evidence of indoor plumbing with potentially hot and cold water pipes running to each one. By all accounts, this was a well-established and wealthy town. That would all come crashing down. The volcano that sits under the island of Thera has erupted many times throughout history. The volcano would erupt, blow itself to bits, collapse into the ocean, form the caldera, slowly refill with magma, rebuilding the volcano, then do it all over again. It's like a giant toddler. Actually, most volcanoes are like giant toddlers. You're just living in the area until the next meltdown, hoping they'll just chill out for, like, several thousand years. Nailing down an exact date for the Minoan eruption is an entire debate in and of itself. So to start out, what are the two dates? Basically, it's anywhere from 1650 BCE and 1500 BCE. Archaeology says about 1500 BCE, Radiocarbon dates say between 1650 and 1600 BCE, or thereabouts. The archaeology date is based upon 
pottery style that was found in Akrotiri. The pottery style found in Akrotiri was late Minoan 1A, which dates to around 1500 BCE. A date of 1628 BCE has been given for the date of the eruption by some scientists, based on the size of tree rings in the decade following 1628 in Ireland and in bristlecone pines in California. Basically, it was argued that these anomalies in the size of the rings corresponds to when the Theron explosion happened, Minoan explosion happened, and they stunted the growth because of the ash in the air. Because it really would have been a worldwide thing. This eruption was so large. Now, the other issue was there was an olive tree found on Thera that had been buried alive by the eruption. Radiocarbon dating on that tree give the date of death of between 1627 and 1600 BCE, which gives more evidence for the scientific dating. However, there may have been some pottery found that wouldn't have been seen until the 16th century BCE, so the 1500s BCE. Basically, no one knows when it was. No one has any really good way of dating the eruption. It's sometime between 1650 BCE and 1500 BCE. It just depends on what you... which... Uh, way you want to date the eruption. If it's archaeology, you're going to go with about 1500 BCE. If it's the scientific ways, you're going to go between 1650 and 1600 BCE. Whichever one you want to go with is fine with me. I'm not going to make a decision either way. All of this stuff is way above my pay grade, so I'm just going to give you a range for when it happened, 1650 to 1500. So let's get to the story. Sometime between 1650 BCE and 1500 BCE, the ground around the island Thera began to shake. And it began to shake aggressively. Archaeological evidence points to this er earthquake happening about two-ish years before the eruption, this first earthquake. And it's likely that some people died. There's evidence that a previous earthquake had destroyed some of the town, and buried in the remains of the eruption are the evidence of scaffolding and stuff like that to rebuild the actual town. But then the shaking would happen again, and again, and again. Most likely fearing for their lives, the residents of Akrotiri fled. They packed up everything they could, got on boats, and got the hell off the island. Maybe. In a stunning turn, and possibly impressive evacuation technique, no human remains have been found in the ash layers of what is left of the town of Akrotiri, indicating that very few, if any, human casualties occurred on the island during the coming massive eruption. However, not all of Akrotiri has been uncovered. And the other thing is, archaeological evidence suggests that the wind was blowing from the west on the day of the explosion. So, it's possible that everyone went to the far western side of the island to be out of the ashfall and waited there to be rescued and never made it off. That side of the island has not been excavated, so it's very possible that there are a lot of bodies buried there. We just don't know. I like to think that everyone made it off the island and everyone survived, but who knows? So the first layer of ash in the soil on Thera is extremely thin, 
It's also not eroded at all. This indicates that there was likely an early eruption that warned the residents of the island and caused them to flee, and that this first eruption was before winter set in, because the winter rain that blankets the island would have washed away some of that ash layer. So, this also lends credence to the idea that maybe they all made it off the island. It's, it's possible. I'm holding out hope. Soon, the middle of the island would begin to spew ash, lava, and rock high, high into the air. It probably blew up most of the island, to be honest with you. There's a 200-foot thick layer of what is called tephra, basically the stuff that is launched out of a volcano that settles on the ground. Then there were three more subsequent eruptions after this first one. Each significantly destroyed portions of the island. The third and fourth eruptions most likely triggered the caldera to collapse inward, but this isn't what caused the tsunamis. Oh, did I forget to mention the tsunamis? Oh yeah, it's not just that we have massive earthquakes and a giant volcano that has affected trees potentially in California. We also have massive tsunamis. It was originally thought that the tsunamis were caused by the caldera collapsing inward. But that idea was thrown out when everyone realized that when the caldera collapsed inward, it wouldn't be collapsing into the ocean because the water wasn't there. It would just be collapsing in on itself and then filling with seawater after that. What actually caused the tsunamis were the massive lava flows that flowed into the ocean and caused smaller explosions. Well, smaller is relative. Other explosions, which then created tsunamis that spread all throughout the Mediterranean. The tsunamis are estimated to have reached about 500 feet in height, which makes sense considering the volcano is estimated to have launched about 14 cubic miles worth of material into the ocean. This was ruled an ultra-Plinian eruption. The VEI was estimated to be between a 6 and a 7. Some sources say 6, some sources say 7. It depends on who you want to believe. It was big and it was bad and lots of stuff happened. So, the eruption column was about 20 miles high and entered the stratosphere. It's likely that magma flows continued out of the remains of the volcano for days after the eruption. So, what was the fallout of this eruption? It's called one of the most important events in human history, so why is that? Well, remember those massive tsunamis I mentioned? They slammed into the shores of Crete, south of Thera, where the major center of the Minoan civilization was. Many of the coastal cities along Crete were heavily damaged, and some were completely abandoned. In theory, there are many competing ideas as to what actually happened. This is the main theory that I have found. So, one theory is that there was a massive earthquake that struck near Crete that caused major damage and may have may in fact have been what set off the volcanic explosion in the first place. It's hit or miss of whether that earthquake was before or after the eruption. Causing the eruption or as a result of the eruption, we, we just don't know. It was so long ago, there's not enough sources, there's not enough archaeological evidence to say one way or the other. With the one-two punch of earthquake and then earth-shattering volcanic eruption, the Minoan civilization was on its heels obviously. Especially because the Minoans were a seafaring civilization and ruled basically the eastern Mediterranean. But with these massive tsunamis absolutely wrecking the port cities, it's likely it destroyed much of the Minoan fleet. 
or fleets. But that is just the immediate aftermath of the eruption. All those refugees from the island of Thera and any of the other surrounding islands had to go somewhere, and wherever those refugees went had to handle that extra load of food and water and shelter needs. This most likely led to food and water shortages that began to build up and further weaken the Minoans, and basically anywhere else they fled to. And then the trade would have massively suffered as several trade locations would have been destroyed and the remaining trade centers would have struggled to keep up. It's likely that the trade centers at first were like, yeah, this is awesome, I'm getting a ton of new money. But eventually they don't have the infrastructure to support all that extra trade that would have been disrupted from going other directions and it would eventually start to fall behind and maybe even completely stop with trade altogether. The combination of the loss of trade, the food shortages, the water shortages, the influx of people who need shelter, all of the loss of the ships in the Minoan fleet, all of the damage from the earthquakes and whatever asphalt actually made it onto Crete, because there's some argument as to whether or not there was any actual asphalt that actually made it to Crete. But all of that combined together led to most likely led to the fall of the Minoan civilization. They would end up being invaded, invaded by the Mycenaeans and destroyed about 1400 BCE. So it wasn't immediate, but it was most likely in the process of happening not long after the actual eruption. Because for years, disasters of this nature can affect areas. Take Hurricane Katrina, for instance. New Orleans is still not back to the New Orleans it was before Katrina in 2009. And it, I mean, it probably never will be, just because of the amount of damage. With something like this, this is a civilization-changing eruption. Even if it didn't occur in the main center of areas for the Minoans, an eruption like this is going to spew a ton of ash into the atmosphere, and it's going to change weather patterns. It's going to change when it rains. When it does rain, it's going to be part ash, which is not great for crops. It's going to be a big effect for a long time. The best modern-day comparison to what would be the most likely impact after the eruption at Thera is the 1815 eruption at Mount Tambora, which had a VEI of 7, and it affected the entire world in 1816. In that year of 1916, there was a massive famine in China. There was flooding. The monsoon season was disrupted. It was crazy. There were summer snowfalls all over the world. In Hungary, there was a brown snow. Italy received red snow. The Rhine flooded massively. There was massive famines all throughout Europe. Like, it's unlikely that a, an eruption the size of the Minoan eruption would, have not, would not have affected more of the world, and it would have been absolutely civilization-changing, especially to be that close, because it's likely that there was massive famine throughout Crete and the Aegean archipelago. And there is evidence that it did affect the world. Those tsunamis hit all over the eastern Mediterranean, from as far east as Tel Aviv in modern-day Israel to as far west as Sicily on the other side of Italy. 
There is evidence of a major worldwide acid event in the tree rings in England, Ireland, and Germany, and ice samples in Greenland around 1628 BC show an acid event from around the world. So, more evidence for the 1628 date, but still not enough to say for certain. In the bamboo annals, which is basically the earliest ancient Chinese events, say the stars fell like rain in the night and the earth shook. It also states the sky was overspread with mists for three days. There are also reports from ancient Chinese philosopher Mozi stating that ice came in the summer and the moon and sun did not appear on time. This makes sense with the effects of volcanic winter that has been observed in later volcanic events. The stars falling like rain is tephra falling from the sky. The earth shaking, it's not likely but possible that the shaking of the eruption was felt in China. One of the largest recorded eruptions in history, the 1883 Krakatoa eruption, was felt as far away as Perth, Australia, which is 1,930 miles away. Hell, there are reports that Krakatoa was heard 3,000 miles away. So it's possible that the sound was heard in eastern China. Who knows? The other report is that ice came in the summer. During that 1816 eruption, there was ice reported, well, frost reported in August in numerous locations around the world. So it's not unlikely that there were possibly frost in the summer in China and in other places, to be honest. And the moon and sun not appearing on time? That is quintessential volcanic winter when the ash covers the sun and the moon that you can't see it through how much ash is in the atmosphere. There is also a story from an Egyptian stele from the reign of Pharaoh Amos I describing a great storm with mist-filled wind and flooding that destroyed many buildings. Whether this is actually a description of an event from the Thera eruption or not is debated. Some say it is dated too late from when the eruption happened and Amos I's reign was way later than the eruption. Some say it could be the exact same time. Some say it's just straight-up propaganda from the pharaoh trying to get people to follow him. But, because it is so ancient, and we really only have part of it, it's hard to say whether or not it fits with the actual eruption. One of the more interesting theories is that the city of Atlantis that Plato later describes is actually a city that is being destroyed by the eruption on Thera. Plato describes the metropolis of Atlantis as being laid out in a circle with narrow canals connecting to the sea. Scientific models of Thera from before the eruption indicate that Thera was most likely an almost entire circle with a single narrow opening and a large island in the middle, similar to the description given of Atlantis. And with the excellent preservation of the buildings on Akrotiri, we know that several of those buildings were multiple stories tall and had complicated piping systems. All this may point to the legendary city of Atlantis actually being on Thera before the eruption and it falling into the caldera that now sits at the center of the island. But there is one problem with this. Atlantis was not real. Like at all. I know some of my listeners will know this, but there are a ton of people who do not know. It's not like Plato is assigned reading in the United States in history class or in English class anywhere, so it's very likely that many of you have never actually read Plato. I have never read Plato, to be completely honest with you. I read this part of it for this episode, but I haven't read the rest of it. Plato was using the idea of Atlantis as an allegory for the hubris of the nation. 
So basically making Atlantis look like they were invincible and they had everything, and then them being destroyed because they thought they were invincible. Looking at the story from that perspective and using the full context makes it extremely clear. The whole city was completely made up. They literally say it multiple times throughout the story, is that they are making this up. Is it possible that Plato took the idea for the story of Atlantis from Akrotiri? It's unlikely. I guess it's technically possible, but that would stretch the imagination pretty far, that he would know of the eruption on Thera. There would be surviving records of what was on Thera before the eruption, be able to adequately describe the city from before the eruption and how it fell apart when it's unlikely there were any survivors to describe the actual eruption. So, is Thera the location of the legendary Atlantis? No. Is anywhere the location of the legendary Atlantis? No. It is not real. Atlantis was not a city. People need to stop looking for it. There are some other crazy rumors with the eruption of Thera, from possible child sacrifice to Poseidon on Crete to prevent the coming tsunamis from overtaking them, and other things of that crazy nature. But these aren't really rooted in any sort of reality, and are basically wild conspiracy theories, and are kind of entertaining, and I just wanted to mention them. Not that child sacrifice is uh, condoned on this podcast, but, uh, I mean, when you've got possible child sacrifice, you have to mention it, right? So, yeah. Uh... The Thera eruption essentially hastened the end of the first great Mediterranean power and led to the rise of the Greeks and what would become the Persians eventually. It changed the trajectory of world power from seafaring to land-based for years to come, all from a single volcanic eruption. Now, I know what all of you are asking. Will it erupt again? The short answer is yes, it will. We just don't know when. It could be five years. It could be a thousand years. Nobody knows. The Greek government has taken the initiative and does have a plan for what to do for tsunamis, fires, and earthquakes, and the eruption. And the permanent population of Santorini hovers around 15,000. So not an easy evacuation by any means, but it could be worse. And it's likely that we will have a probably three-week warning time before an eruption occurs. I mean, it's possible that if they do the proper research when an earthquake occurs on Santorini or in the region, that they could gauge magma levels to decide when or where or how or whatever it's going to erupt. So it's likely that we will have a very low, if any, fatality count. As long as it everyone decides to evacuate, which is a whole other issue that I don't really want to get into right now besides the fact that some people are extremely stubborn and will not evacuate no matter what it is. Even if it is the entire island underneath them exploding, they'll be like, nah, I'll be fine. I lived here through all these tiny little earthquakes. It won't erupt. That is a regular occurrence. I don't know how many of you have dealt with disasters and telling people to evacuate, but I have, and it's very hard to get people to listen to warnings. I mean, a lot of people ignore smoke detectors when they go off, when there's an actual fire. So 
good luck getting people to leave their homes and all that they know because some scientists say that the entire island will explode. It's it's very possible that we could get a zero fatality eruption. At least zero fatality from the initial eruption. But I wouldn't count on it. That brings us to the end of today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Disastrous History. That's Disastrous H-S-T-R-Y. Disastrous History without the vowels. And on Instagram at Disastrous History. Spelled correctly. You can also follow me on TikTok at Disastrous History. Spelled correctly. Where I do smaller videos of the episodes and some disasters that will be covered in future episodes or are so small that I can't really do a full episode on them. But they're pretty good videos, if I do say so myself. You can also email me at disastroushistory at gmail.com. And uh, I have a website, disastroushistory.com, where you can read the episodes in actual reading format, and like an actual article. So if you don't want to listen to me talk for however long it's been, you can go read it instead. And I have a coffee. It's Disastrous History. Uh, unfortunately, podcasting is not free. So if you want to donate, you can. There's no content or anything hidden behind it, and there probably never will be. So it, the podcast will always be free. Just if you want to donate, that'd be great. Appreciate you guys. Stay safe, and always check your smoke detector batteries.